This is the Gender Justice Brief, a podcast of gender justice. We fight for gender equity by breaking down legal, structural, and cultural barriers and expanding protections. We want to see all people thrive, regardless of their gender, gender expression, and sexual orientation. Welcome to the very first recording of the Gender Justice Brief podcast of Gender Justice. I'm Erin Hart, Communications Director at Gender Justice. I have with me Jess Braverman, our legal director, and Erin May Quaid, our special projects advisor. Hey, Erin and Jess. Hello. Hey, Erin. Hey, hey. And Erin. So, and Erin. You have two Erins uh, and one Jess. So we are going to have a quick chat with you all about what to look forward to in 2023. We're super excited to launch our first podcast and talk about the really important work that happens here at Gender Justice and how our supporters and listeners can get involved. I'm going to turn it over to Jess first. Um, Jess, what is going on with our legal department in 2023? We have some big cases coming up, and I'd love to for our listeners to hear a little bit more about it, especially as you will be on this podcast regularly to talk about them uh, with Aaron and hopefully also other members on our team. Yeah, I'm really excited for 2023 for the legal team. We're getting some big rulings this year. Um, We're going to get a ruling in a case where we sued the Department of Corrections in Minnesota because they mistreat transgender inmates. Um, And I'm really looking forward to that ruling. I think we did a really great job uh, framing the issues and arguing it. And I I think we're going to hopefully get something good from the judge there. We also have a big ruling coming up in uh, most likely in March on our powerlifting case. So we sued USA Powerlifting because they don't let trans women compete in any women's events. Um, We are expecting the judge to give us a pretty big ruling where we'll know what direction this case is taking. That should come around March. um, And I'm really looking forward to seeing what the judge has to say there. We also have a few loose ends on our abortion case. So we sued Minnesota over uh, illegal unconstitutional abortion restrictions, and we were successful. But some outside groups are trying to uh, what's called intervene, meaning step in in the lawsuit and make new arguments and bring in new issues. We don't think they should be allowed to do that. And we're making those arguments and we have those coming up uh, two arguments in January. So it's a pact like the year is really going to be packed with stuff, really exciting announcements, exciting court orders, um, court arguments, all sorts of stuff. I do love just that you're like exciting court orders. (laughs) (laughs) And like only at gender justice would we be like exciting court orders. (laughs) We we are. We're like, there's a, there's a hearing happening in court. Let's read the transcript and talk about it. Just hundreds of pages of transcript. Um, we're, yeah, the things we find That's exciting, like, we hope that you will find exciting too. We try to make it exciting. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll tell you why it's exciting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like the four hour uh, hearing we had recently for the Cooper case, the, the powerlifting case. Um, I was pacing. I was off camera, like pacing. I met, so I have a Garmin. I met my step count pacing around my office during that hearing because I was so, um, engaged and so uh anticipating what was going to happen so yeah we we don't we mean what we say when we say (laughs) that we are excited about court yay and Erin you are our you know a key member of the advocacy team uh you led our advocacy team um 
for I think four years mm-hmm. and um, now you're obviously transitioning to a new role in the state senate but uh, playing a key role for gender justice now as a special projects advisor. Um, what are you looking forward to in 2023 besides uh, hanging out with Jess and reading lots of documents? I mean, that's mostly what I'm looking forward to. Um, But if I had to add anything to the list, you know, gender justice is really um, at a a growth point. I mean, when I started, when Jess and I started here four years ago, we were like the fourth and fifth members of the staff. You know, it was like a little (laughs) scrappy team of like five people. And now we've just grown so much and it means our impact can grow. And, you know, we have really cool work going on with our Rights, Faith and Democracy Collaborative, um, working with Jewish Community Action out front Minnesota and Take Action Minnesota to kind of talk about the ways in which white Christian nationalism is impacting our democracy and LGBTQ rights and reproductive rights and minority faiths um, and people who are in minority faiths. And so um, we have a lot of cool stuff coming out with that collaborative. Um, We're going to be doing so much work to make sure that what happens in these very exciting court rulings and in these exciting court hearings don't just live at courts, right? I've I've said for the last four years, my job is to explain um, the law and what we do to regular people, regular people being anyone who's not a lawyer. My apologies to any lawyers on the (laughs) podcast or listening to the podcast. Um, But we get a chance to explain, um, you know, why is discriminating against a trans athlete discrimination, right? It's not just something like we think, it's actually how the law works and it's how the Minnesota Human Rights Act is written. We get to do some education on, you know, what existed. I think one of the cool things that I'm really thinking about is that I feel like one of the ways in which some of the arguments about the work that we do show up in the public is like a question that's never been answered before. Like we've never really talked about before if trans inclusion is something we should do. We have, and we already decided we should. We know why discrimination is wrong. That's why the law is the way that it is. Or we know that, you know, restricting people's ability to make decisions about their own bodies and families is actually like a marker of backsliding into fascism, right? And so we get to be part of that public education and that public conversation work. And I'm really looking forward to being part of the team that leads that, that finds places for people to get involved um, and, you know, get active and connect with people who share their values and and really make changes in the way that we um, talk and think and act and, and really like cement our values and our beliefs um, into our into our daily lives. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, I feel like before I started at Gender Justice, you know, as I was going on in my daily life, and I think a lot of people feel this too, is like you sort of only pay attention to the Supreme Court or like Mm. national headlines. Um, And I had no idea how important the law was at a state level or that like Minnesota was unique. Um, And the work that our team does and that you do, Erin, to like uplift and, and help us understand it and the power of the law that we have here in Minnesota um is is really unique um Jess could you speak a little bit to that like why why is Minnesota important in this national conversation would you say well Minnesota has one of the strongest anti-discrimination laws in the country I think with the Minnesota Human Rights Act our court routinely reaffirms that our Human Rights Act is stronger than federal anti-discrimination laws And so we should be leading the way in how people are treated. Um, 
sometimes we don't always live up to those goals. And I think at Gender Justice, we try to remind the courts, you know, if there's a protected class of people, they're protected for a reason. And these anti-discrimination laws have to mean what they say. We really can't allow discrimination against uh, these folks. And we know that court or- orders aren't enough because you could have rights, right? You, you can have the right to not be discriminated against, but that does that mean that you're never going to experience discrimination? Of course not. Um, and so we make sure that these laws are enforced. And we also make sure that the public understands what their rights are, understands the court rulings and what it means for them in their day-to-day lives. And I think that's, it's so helpful being able to talk to a non-lawyer about the things we do. Like when we go into court, I often will run arguments by Aaron so that I can say, is this going to make sense to people? Like, is this just kind of lawyer nonsense or is this really cutting to the heart of what we're trying to do? Because we're not just trying to kind of make legal arguments for the sake of it. We want to make judges understand the impact of the rulings on people's lives. And so it's really helpful actually to combine the advocacy and the legal because you can forget when you're in legal these aren't just like legal academic thought exercises. These are having real impacts on people's lives. And so we, we always try to work together to remember that. And we, we try to push that in and out of the courtroom. And one thing I learned just joining gender justice, if somebody had told me like, read this brief for, you know, this court case, I'd be like, okay, I'll tell you what I don't understand. And like, by and large, briefs are readable. Like they cite to cases that I have no idea what they mean, right? There's footnotes. I'm like, I don't know what that means, but they are very readable by like, I would say anybody, you know, 10th grade and up, right? Like they're not, they're not super complicated. And so I have really enjoyed, um, kind of demystifying the legal process. And I can, I enjoy continuing to do that for the public. I, you know, it's something I love doing about the legislative process, but for like the civil legal system, Um, that has been demystified for me and it's so much more accessible. And I think that's part of our work ahead too, is to make sure people know that like, this isn't meant to be over your head. It's very much like where you're at. Um, But we've just made it seem like it's above people. You know, you have to do so much work to become a lawyer that how could you possibly (laughs) understand things that lawyers write? Um, So I, I, that's one of my favorite parts about the work that we do is that it is, it's meant to help people and it's meant to make it accessible to people to understand why we do what we do and how we're doing it. And, and it's like, really, what, what do we learn in law school that's super practical? It's, unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know that it's all that much. No, I mean, you can have some great discussions in law school where you learn a lot, but it, there's, there's a different skill to making sure that what you do is, is, is going to get the impact that you intend. Um, a lot of lawyers, they litigate just for their clients, which we do. We put our clients first always in every case. But our clients come to us because they want a bigger change. They want to see like a societal change. They want to make sure what happened to them doesn't happen to anyone else. And that is a it's a big responsibility. So when we're litigating, our clients want us to, you know, have as big of an impact as possible. And I think we you can't really do that if you don't understand what's at stake in your case. And I don't think the law tells you what's at stake in your case. It's really like looking at how people are impacted by the law that that answers that question. And so I don't think this should just be the realm of lawyers. I think it's, you know, it's great when people who aren't lawyers step in because I think you can get a better understanding of who's impacted by this. Why is this so important? And you can try to convey that to the court. Well, I think that what the point you just made, Jess, is a really 
key thing to know about gender justice. We do impact litigation. So when we win for our clients, which we do, um, <laughs> that means that things do change for our clients, but it changes for a lot of other people too. So the our cases change how the law is interpreted or applied or enforced or understood. Um, and I, I have really been proud to be part of this team and do, you know, impact litigation, their direct service litigation, where you like need a lawyer, you call up a lawyer and they help you is really, really important work. And so is impact litigation. And that is, we have the best impact litigator, I would say <laughs> in the country at gender justice, probably the best team, certainly between you and Christy and, and stuff. So I just am really, really grateful to work with you all because you're just the smartest mofos I've ever met. <laughs> Well, but yeah. then, but then, then we also have the complimentary, like you know how to turn what we do into action beyond the courthouse. Like if if there's gaps in the law that we need addressed, you kind of know the next step of like, okay, well, something is some of these things are for the courts and some of these things are for the legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you 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 really need both, um, both. And let's we don't we don't forget, right? We don't think that like the world revolves around courts and the legislature. I don't want anyone to get that impression. Like we're not like society is not going to be saved by like lawyers and judges and politicians, legislators, right? Yeah, no, and legislators, right? <laughs> but I mean, this stuff is important because the stuff that happens there impacts people, and we need. Um, we need to make sure that the people who are in positions of power, who are in gatekeeping roles, or who have the ability to make huge impacts by passing law or passing court orders, like understand who is being uh, impacted by what happens. That's, it's just so important. Well, and that's yeah. why we, um, that's why we talk about our work that we, you know, the law alone is not enough. And we know that we work in coalition with partners because we do not see the law as the the tool of liberation, but it is a tool of harm reduction. And so we understand our very unique role in the movement space to be within this legal and legislative realm and bringing a very unique gender lens and gender and race and how they intersect in particular. And so, um, but we don't do, like, we don't go home every night being like, we want a case done, you know, right. <laughs> like that's not, that's not the end. Uh, we didn't solve all the problems. No, we, we win a case and then we, we celebrate for a minute. And then we look at the mountain of work ahead of us and say like, <laughs> all right, let's go. Yeah. We're, usually right, well, after we win the case, we're like, okay, now we have so much to do. <laughs> yes. Well, there will be many, many mountains in 2023. And I'm super excited that you both will be with us and that will be incorporating other members of the gender justice team also unrestrict minnesota and some of our partners there so um yeah thank you so much for demystifying some of our legal and advocacy and why uh what we do is so important we hope you all subscribe to the the newest latest and greatest podcast in the gender equity space the gender justice brief And yeah, let everyone know, share with your friends, and we will see you back uh, for another episode with Jess and Aaron May Quaid, also known as EMQ. And thanks for being with us, Jess and Aaron. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Gender Justice Brief. This show is produced by Gunter Janel and Audra Griegas. To keep up with our work in real time, be sure to check out the show notes for where to find us on the web, social media, and to sign up for text updates. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share to help us spread our message. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.